This is the What If I Told You podcast, a show that gets its life's blood from wild speculation and scowling in public. Hey. I've been told that I have terrible RBF. That's one of the first things that Brody ever noticed about me. So I was talking to Whitney about that the other day. Yeah. People and their fucking toys. There are children on this street, okay? They are. Um, yeah. But I was like, listen, I'm sorry if you ever saw me in the hallways at work and I just looked like a total bitch. I was born with RBF. I think it's just my natural defense mechanism to make me look unapproachable. I have RBF also, but... The fuck? I'm going to go kick them in their shin. For real. I'm going to take Artie and let him pee on all their tires. Um. <laughs> their two tires. <laughs> uh, so I have the RBF, but I also am kind of a bitch. Yes, so, you are. <laughs> I mean, it's not a lie. <laughs> I feel like I'm, of course not a bitch on purpose right i will have interactions with people where afterwards i'm like damn i was kind of a bitch yeah (laughs) i just it's okay though i mean fuck them i listen i really don't care if people think i'm a bitch no because first of all if i was a man people would just be like oh he's assertive Mm -hmm. and but since i'm a woman i'm a bitch because I know when to say no, and I'm not afraid to do so. And people are just like, God, you don't have to be a bitch. And I'm like, well, you don't have to be a bitch about it. Like, you're being the bitch. Buck up, bro. (laughs) Stop being such a little nutsy about it. We're replacing what people use the term pussy for, and we're going to call it nutsy. Because let's be honest, nuts are much more fragile than (laughs) twats. Those things expand to expel humans that are like 10 pounds. One little tap in the nuts, down for the count. (laughs) So, come on. We are not the fragile sex. We have kicked it up a notch on part three. Oh yeah, we're ramped up now. Um, If you haven't guessed, we have recorded back-to-back to back. This is the long... <laughs> well, this really isn't the longest we've recorded because we've done pretty good on time. Yeah. But we've yeah. never recorded three separate episodes back to back. True. This is the first three-parter we've ever done and the first time we've recorded three episodes at once. So we're staying on task pretty well. Yeah. A side note, my brother got a, another tree to plant in my mom's yard for uh, Mother's Day. Uh-huh. And we're like, yeah, that's fine. We'll sure. go in on it. And he just texted us all and said, you each owe me $40.75. Dude, send him $39. <laughs> you really need 75 cents? Exactly. I, now I can't just pull 40 out of the ATM. I got to find three quarters also? Yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. You You should just like pick a random amount of change. I'm Give giving him, him 42.27. Yeah. Just pick a random amount of change and give it to him. You know. 
That's odd. That's wildly specific. <laughs> okay, so we're in part three of Maura Murray. Um, Dakota is wandering the city <laughs> waiting for Madeline to pick him up. He sold his car and uh, made the decision to leave so that his his idea is time efficiency. He wanted to get it taken care of while we were recording so that instead of it taking up our entire afternoon, he would have already done it and I just go pick him up. Because we right. do have things we have to do. Like I need to go and pick up some like a plant for Mother's Day, Mm -hmm. and uh, he needs to pick up some food because he's cooking for his mom tomorrow. And so he's like, you can just come pick me up. We'll do the rest of our errands, and then we can just, like, come hang out at home. Right. So it makes sense. (laughs) But I feel like he should have anticipated we were not going to stay completely on task, although we did very well. We have done well, Dakota, I promise. We did super well. We did just have, like, a whole hour of conversation prior to recording. That's all. It's okay. We would have completely been done at this point. Absolutely. We've only taken one five-minute break also. Yeah, because April was stuck in the bathroom. Yeah. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, So, anyway... Dakota sold his car, and he's out here. He's going to eat lunch. I don't. I hope there's other stuff around him. He needs to get some stuff for his grandma and his mom for Mother's Day. So I think he's going to do that. Well, I mean, we have only eight pages. Uh, this will probably be another 45-er. Yeah, it's not going to take that long. These are the theories, but um, we're not going to get crazy. We've already talked about that you could do that with this. We're not going to get crazy. We would like to show you all that we do have self-control. Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, if you would have saw me in the grocery store the other day, whenever you, it, this, we're going to call this the dark day. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you guys know about Roe v. Wade, and it, we're str- distressed. We are in full-fledged distress, but that's a topic for another day. Uh, I went to the grocery store and bought everything in the frozen food section. Well... You have to do it. You know, mini tacos, check. Pizza rolls, check. Garlic bread, check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So The basics. The basics. I was in survival mode and I needed those things. Yeah. So. But we're going to get on task. Yep. We're on task right now. We're so currently on task. <laughs> there's nothing new. There's no chips corner. Please check out our TikTok and our Instagram and our Facebook and send us an email at whatifitoldyoupodcast at gmail.com. Please. And uh, here we go. Um, We're still talking about Maura Murray. This is part three. If you haven't listened to part one and two, please go back and do that so you know what in the fuck we are actually talking about. Yes, because we've already referenced most of these theories vaguely. Right. In the first two episodes. So... Now we're just going to get into the specifics of each one. So why don't we take turns with each theory? Yes. I'll start off with uh, suicide. Cool. Um, so first theory, Mora went to the White Mountains to commit suicide. Mm. So part of this brings in the Petrit Vassy scenario. Which multiple theories also bring in the Petrit Vassy scenario. Right. You do something terrible. You don't admit to it. You panic. Obviously, you go to the White Mountains to commit suicide. Sure. Um, So according to this theory, 
Mora was actually the one who hit Petrit, which we talked about in episode one. So that's why you should listen to it. Mm-hmm. And this was kind of a catalyst event for her. So she packed up her stuff, went into the White Mountains to kill herself. It seems like it makes sense. Sure. Um, people state that this is the sort of, this is a sort of like a collection of reasons for Mora. Um, of course, there would have been guilt for hitting a human being with your car. Absolutely. And at this point, it would have been common knowledge that he was in a coma and that there would have been the possibility that he may not recover at all. Right. Because this is only four days after he was hit and he was in a coma for a month. Yeah. So at this point, she has no idea if he's going to recover. Right. And so obviously this would have really bothered her. Absolutely. Her probation and other legal issues would certainly come back to haunt her if she were caught for this hit and run. Um, So a hit and run would certainly violate her probation, but just the hit and run itself would land her in felony territory, especially because Petrit was so severely injured. Right. And honestly, what's so it's the hit and run, not the not her hitting Petrit Vassy that would have caused her the issues. If she were driving and hit him and stayed. Yeah. Uh, Because Karen, her boss at work, who found her like sobbing and, and all of that, never stated that she thought Mora was intoxicated. Right. So if Mora was just out on a break from work and hit Patrit Vassy because it's dark. And, I mean, sometimes you simply don't see things. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's happened to me with deer on the way, like, to work in the morning uh, during the time of year when it's dark. They literally come out of thin air. Yeah, just all of the sudden appear in front of you. Yeah. So that scenario could have happened. She could have hit him. Complete accident. And if she would have just stayed, called police... She probably wouldn't have even gotten a ticket for it as no. long as she passed field sobriety or um, passed like a breathalyzer and proved that she wasn't drunk. She probably wouldn't have even been ticketed, right? Because that shit just accidents happen. Just happen, and it she could have just moved on. Mm-hmm. But when you leave the scene of an accident that involves life changing injuries to a human being. Now we have a problem. Right. So, yes, hit and run would have certainly violated the probation she was on, but that would have been the least of her worries. She would have definitely gotten hit with a slew of other charges from this. Oh, yeah. Like, obviously, leaving the scene of an accident involving injury, but also, like, assault and battery, manslaughter, potentially. Like, all of those things are on the table at this point. So there's also this idea that she was having relationship issues with Billy. Um, The letter about Billy that was left in her dorm causes people to think that she discovered that he had cheated on her. So with these things kind of added up, people speculate that Maura just didn't see a way out and thought it would be better for her to end her life. Um, As far as other missing person cases where this theory is put forward, which is... All of them. Mm, yeah. Mora's <laughs> um, case seems to have more evidence that this could be a viable theory. But, yeah. Uh, but you have to, in order for, uh, of course, there is kind of like other things showing that her life was kind of in a rough patch. Like, if you take 
all of the things that we know happened, like her dad losing his house. So there's financial issues with the family. Her sister Kathleen was an alcoholic, struggled mm-hmm. with that, blah, blah, blah. So there's that. Morris probation. I don't think people bring up the West Point issue with the $5 makeup, but I think that's like a non-issue. I don't think that's no. bothering her at all. That's so minor. And she left West Point in good standing. So that I don't think even matters. But, you know, the legal issue with the credit card thing only happened a few months prior. It it does from the outside looking in kind of seem like her life was spiraling. Yeah. For really no reason. For no real reason. So, you know, she just crashed her dad's car. So there's that. And I feel like if she did not hit Patrit Vassy, these other things were would not have been enough to say, yeah, she was in a real state to take her own life. Right. Because, I mean, the probation, she was almost done with the three months of supervision. So she was almost done with that and leaving that behind. Mm-hmm. And when your boyfriend cheats on you, it fucking sucks, but... Still, is that enough? I just don't think so. No. And her dad losing his house, she's an adult who doesn't live at home. Right. I mean, I feel like those things suck and would make you upset, but I don't think it's enough for someone who has not displayed any struggles with depression Mm -hmm. or suicidal tendencies in the past to go to that point just because of those things. And to that extent. To that extent. Bring in Patrit Vassy and that incident? Okay, I think we have a conversation now. Yeah. That's a much bigger deal. Hitting someone with your car and not knowing if you killed them? Okay, that's yeah. huge. Yeah. But did she actually hit him? There were other incidents where people were hit on campus and the person left the scene. Multiple other people. At least two other people that semester. This is not okay. So, Maura's not out here hitting everyone. Mm-hmm. So, we'll talk more about the Patrit Vassy theory. But, okay. So, now we're going to move on to foul play. Um, we're going to have to split these as well. Mm-hmm. Foul play has multiple theories embedded within it. So, um... This is what the family believes, that Maura was just going to New Hampshire to get away, clear her mind, but that she had every intention to come back. And she just came afoul of some person who committed a murder of opportunity. Yeah. So people throw out that Butch Atwood since he was the last person to admit to actually having a conversation with her, interacting with her, people immediately say Butch Atwood. But he's been cleared. Yeah, and he called the police like a handful of minutes yeah. after he saw her. So, so soon after, you know, because you have 727 Faith Westman calls and then she sees the bus pull up. And she sees the bus leave. Mm-hmm. And then 737, you have the other person that drives by and sees the scene empty. And then he calls at 743 and reports. Yeah, it's not like she ever saw her getting in the bus with him. Right. Yeah. So I just, Butch Atwood, 
No, I just don't think so. Yeah. But the A-frame house theory is the first foul play theory that we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. This one's a big one and honestly still on the table. Absolutely. Super compelling theory. So there was a house located about a mile from the scene that is known as the A-frame house. The rumor is that Mora was picked up by someone and taken to this house and murdered. So, according to Fred Murray, um, we're not going to, the names are out there. I just don't want to say them. Yeah. Because they've never been officially linked. So, it's two brothers. So, one brother contacts Fred Murray and tells him that he found a knife in his brother's glove compartment with blood on it. So he sends the knife to Fred Murray, who also gives it to police. According to Cecil Smith, who was the first responding officer, police initially refuse the piece of evidence because they have no idea how to verify the chain of evidence before that. So Mm -hmm. the likelihood of it being admissible in court is very low. But police eventually accept it. And Cecil Smith has no idea what happened with the knife from there. Police have said they can't share anything publicly. Cool. So, the owner of the house, which is not the same as the person who owned the house at the time of the accident, the brother with the knife owned the A-frame house. Mm -hmm. So, now we have a different owner of the A-frame house, and he let John Smith, who is a private investigator and former cop that was working with the Murray family. The current owners let him go into the A-frame house. In 2006, I believe. And this is what he said about the A-frame house. Quote, So we went in with cadaver dogs, and the dogs got a big hit off of this upstairs closet. They hit for human remains. Carpet samples were given to the New Hampshire State Police. End quote. Police have not revealed what, if anything, has been done with the carpet samples. There's no more carpet in the house now, because the floors have since been refurbished. So in 2016, John Smith went back to the A-frame house with Tim and Lance from Missing Maura Murray podcast. And they found what appeared to be blood on wood panels inside of the bedroom closet that the cadaver dogs had previously hit on. So they took wood chips from the closet And John Smith had those in his possession. He then allowed Maggie Freeling, who's a journalist, and she is the, like, main person who covers Mora's case in the documentary. Yeah. It's very good. You should watch it. Yeah. Maggie Freeling's an excellent journalist. She's, like, an investigative journalist. She's involved in a lot of major cases, actually. Mm -hmm. And I think she has her own podcast now. Um, But so they pull in a doctor a molecular geneticist, to test these wood chips. His name's Dr. Max Noradine, and he tested the wood chips using phenolphthalein. I don't... I'm guessing this is some sort of solution. He said the, the samples would turn pink if there was blood on them. With Maggie Freeling and another... Her partner... I don't remember his first name, but I just have Roderick his last name. They were present as he conducted the test. 
And Dr. Nordeen said, quote, I do see some pink color showing up. Unfortunately, nothing from the wood chips can be conclusive because the samples were determined to be due, too deteriorated, but I do believe they turned them over to police. Yeah, because they, th- well, they then took them to that other lab to get the DNA profile. Right. And since the doc, I mean, there hasn't been any information on that. Right. Because I think the, I don't know what her title would have been, the the DNA analyst at that lab was mm-hmm. basically like, this could be male or female, unless I had Mora's blood right here to test to compare. Yeah. But it is human. They did say it was human. Yeah. So the wood chips aren't really going to bring anything to the table. No. But word's still out on the carpet samples. I'm sure we'll never hear about those. No, we probably never will. At this point, if the carpet samples were going to yield anything, I feel like we would have heard because that was like 2006. Yeah. So it's been a very long time. Very long time. But they've never released anything on the carpet samples. They didn't say what they did with the carpet samples, if there were any results, if they did any testing, if they threw them away, nothing. So. That's so satisfying. Perfect. Um, next is the Rick Forcier theory. Uh, Rick lived across the street from Butch Atwood, and he was interviewed by police and told them that he was on his couch during the time frame that Mora disappeared. I feel like this is not, this is not an alibi. I was on my couch. Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How do you know? Great. How do you know, you know? What were you doing on your couch? But... He told his ex-girlfriend that Mora had actually come to his door that night. Sus. He also gave a third story three months later when he reportedly saw a woman running alongside the road about six miles east of the accident. Yeah, so I think I phrased that weird. Basically... He is saying he saw a wo- the night of the accident. He saw a woman running along the road six miles east of the accident, and but he he waited three months to make the report. Right. So in case you were confused by how I phrased that, that he didn't see someone three months later. Yeah. And so three months after Laura disappeared. Yeah. He said, "Oh, I also saw a woman running alongside the road six miles east of the accident." On the night in question. Right. It's the yes. From my couch. From my couch. <laughs> so this all seems very suspicious. Uh, yeah. I don't really have anything to say about Rick in that weird th- three-month thing. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but he also got a new vehicle around the time of the disappearance, but got a truck that was... The same make, model, color, and year as his old one. The fuck? Why get a new one at all? Could he have been getting rid of his old one? Because they would have found something. And so he got a new one that looked exactly like it. So no one would notice that he got a new one? Huh. Um, he also reportedly made a joke that Mora was living with him and that she was a good cook. 
He also refused to allow police to search his property, and he did not cooperate with the search and rescue efforts. Mm. When Maggie and Arthur, which is the first name of... He's a retired... Investigator? Investigator or detective? I can't remember. Yeah. But he has a very large background in these things. So Maggie, the reporter, and Arthur, the retired whatever... Um, they tried to speak with him for the documentary that they did on Oxygen. You can watch it. It's great. Uh, he showed up at his property, saw Maggie and Arthur, and then drove off without even knowing that it was them. So they then got into a bit of a high-speed high chase that ended in a public parking lot where Rick denied being himself and refused to answer <laughs> questions and said... Did you not get a phone call from me? And so Maggie and Arthur are like, did we? And then he said, when I don't call, that's me? Um... So, of course, someone that doesn't have anything to hide is more than willing to answer questions. Yeah. So what are you hiding, Rick? A former state trooper has stated that Rick has been the main suspect since the beginning, but the lack of evidence has prevented an arrest. And apparently cops also told Rick's ex-wife that he was the prime suspect. He also, just to top it all off, has made some really creepy YouTube videos. Hold on. The very first one, he puts out the stalker and starts it with based on a true story. And it's just him being weird, maybe. But that certainly does not help his character profile very much. Mm -mm. Some believe it's him hinting to being on the couch at night. Um, a woman coming to his door. Psychics involved with this case also point to him as having blood on his hands. If you believe in that sort of thing. Yeah. Oddly enough, there are like a lot of psychics involved in this case. I think the Murrays went to a psychic and um, Tim and Lance actually interview, I think, the psychic that they talked to. And she kept talking about a dark colored truck, maybe dark maroon, which I think is the color of Rick Forcier's truck. And then Maggie and Arthur also got one then yeah. she just talked about a bridge yeah and the one that tim and lance talked to talk about water mm -hmm. and that mora is most likely deceased yeah so i don't know the psychic element is is weird and i don't know how that helps yeah. i myself have never spoken to a psychic so i don't i don't know if you believe it if you don't i don't know okay so that's rick forcier seems suspicious that one's still on the table as well but we're going to move on to the Loon Mountain 3 theory. So this theory obviously overlaps with the abduction theory, but it adds that Mora was abducted by someone she knew, perhaps only casually. Proponents theorize that Mora had been intercepted by a group of brothers known as the Loon Mountain 3. I'm not going to say their names. I have them in here, but I'm just not going to say it. Yeah. So the... The brothers took Mora to another location and killed her. That's what the theory says. So 
The theory points to local rumors that Mora may have been, may have had a boyfriend in the Haverhill area and or may have dated one of the Loon Mountain Three. It also says, states that Laura may, Laura, Mora may have traveled previously to Loon Mountain to ski and interacted with the brothers during a trip and that somewhere near the ski resort or their home was Mora's intended destination. The mountain club is approximately 27 miles from Mora's crash site, and two of the brothers reportedly shared a home near the crash site. All of these theories point to the search dogs losing Mora's scent 100 yards east of the accident, indicating that she may have entered a vehicle, and the boys known as the Loon Mountain 3 did not show up for work. This is February 9th, but I'm guessing it means February 10th, the next day. Yeah. Suggesting they were otherwise occupied with events related to Mora's disappearance. And their typical route to work was along Route 112. Hmm. So they may have intercepted Mora on the, along the way. If she'd met them before, she might have been more inclined to get in their vehicle and perhaps continue drinking since she may have taken Bailey's Kahlua and vodka with her. Um, Alternatively, if one or more of the Loon Mountain Three brothers were present, they could have easily outnumbered and overcome more and forced her against her will into the vehicle. So, uh, there are obvious problems with this theory. There's no concrete evidence that Mora knew the Loon Mountain 3 or had ever interacted with them before. And law enforcement obviously followed up this lead, found nothing substantial. And there is some indication that while the law enforcement was interested in two of the brothers who worked at Loon Mountain, uh, it was actually James Renner. He's a writer who's heavily involved in this case. We link his blog in our sources, and he's referenced a lot and actually appears on the Missing Maura Murray podcast. He suggested that one of the brothers actually owned a truck similar to the one seen near Maura's crash site and thereby linked the brothers to the case. So, it's a, I mean, that's a pretty good theory. It's a, it's a good theory. Yeah. There's no proof of any of it, but, you know, there's no proof of any of these, really. Uh, next, we have the red truck theory. Hmm. Um, this theory proposes that a vehicle with Massachusetts plates was acting suspiciously on the east side of town near Route 112, as well as near Mora's crash site. A red truck was observed by Wilma Robinson, alternatively known as Robinson Ordway. Okay. A red truck was observed um, by someone turning around in the stage shop store parking lot around the time that Mora disappeared. Some report that the driver appeared to be looking for someone specific along the road, while other claim the truck did not have Massachusetts plates and that a second witness jotted down the license plate number and it was matched to a vehicle owned by one of the brothers of the Loon Mountain 3. So additionally, a witness that was out walking her dog saw an empty red truck on Bradley Hill Road around the time of the disappearance. Um... And Mora's scent was lost by the search dogs near the intersection of Bradley Hill Road and Route 112. 
Some reports suggest law enforcement officers were stopping red trucks on February 10th. Um, so this is a quote from the witness of the, the red truck. They said, I wish I could give an exact description of the truck, but I cannot. I was walking that night about 7 p.m. to the local store. As I was walking up the hill, a truck passed me and slowed down. When it got to the middle of the hill, it stopped in the road. I immediately looked at the plate and noticed it was from Massachusetts. There was only one street light there, and I could not tell how many people were in the vehicle. As I got closer to the truck, it took off up the hill. When I rounded the corner to the store, I could see the truck in the driveway of the store. As I walked into the parking lot, which is very well lit, the truck took off toward the crash site. And of course, at that time, I did not know there was a crash. As for the red truck, it slowed, then stopped and waited for me to get closer, then took off up the hill. He did not leave the store parking lot in any sort of hurry. This is very convoluted. Super convoluted. Um, from this, we can conclude that the red truck that they saw left the parking lot between 710 and 720. Sergeant Smith arrived on scene at 746 and would have passed by the store around 745 and no earlier than 744. If he was driving under the speed limit, of course. So if we assume that the red truck continued down Route 112 and did not turn onto a side road, it would have encountered the accident site between 712 and 722. And this is all just assuming that the witness's sense of time is correct and that she truly observed Sergeant Cecil Smith passing by the store 20 to 30 minutes after she arrived. So this would have placed the driver of the red truck at the accident scene before Faith Westman, who called 911 at 7.27 p.m., and before Sergeant Cecil Smith's arrival on the scene at 7.46 p.m. So there is time for this red truck to have driven by the scene and picked up Mora. Right. Sure. Um, but there are problems with this theory. While it has been verified by police that the witness reported the suspicious vehicle um the other eyewitness account of a suspicious vehicle near bradley hill road is unsubstantiated additionally the window for someone in a red truck to have abducted mora or picked her up willingly without having been seen by neighbors was still very thin um it's entirely possible Mora was picked up, of course, especially if it was by someone she knew. She probably just would have hopped right into the car with them. But another problem with this theory is that law enforcement apparently followed up on the red truck and um, family leads coming up with nothing useful at all. And a substantial problem with the Sappho family theory. Which is the concrete theory that yeah. the Sappho family... I guess is a prominent family in the area that they were involved and they encased her in concrete. Yeah, that's intense. That's intense. Um, so the problem with that is that there are major logistical difficulties with pouring concrete in the dead of winter. And the final problem with this theory is that eyewitnesses testimony is notoriously unreliable and that all information about the Sappho family is speculation. And of course, online rumors. Yeah. And I didn't want to delve into the Sappho family 
theory. It just, it's so convoluted and you have to make so many, like, speculations to even get it there. Yeah. Um, okay. So some people obviously still point to Billy Roush, her boyfriend. Um, he had already graduated from West Point and was stationed at Fort Sill in Oklahoma when she disappeared. There's no evidence that Billy was involved. His, uh, commanding officer verifies that he was in fact at Fort Sill on February 9th, 2004. However, his behavior in the years since do show that he wasn't that great of a guy. Um, James Renner reported, um, and then later the story was picked up by the Washington City paper in 2011 that Billy was allegedly fired from his job due to accusations that he had harassed several women. There are also allegations of assault. And he has apparently been charged with attempted rape and is awaiting trial, and he could face up to 20 years in prison. Goodness. So, Billy sucks, I guess. Um, And that's the last of the foul play theories that we're going to talk about. There are more. Yeah. So, if you can dive down that rabbit hole as far as you fucking want to, if you, if you have time. Um, but... One short one that we'll talk about is the tandem driver theory. This one you'll probably probably hear a lot, but there's not really any anything further to it. It's pretty straightforward, and it argues that Mora was traveling with another person who was in a second car. So this could explain how her scent disappeared so close to the scene. So in this scenario, she's driving. Some other person is following her in another car. She crashes the car that she's traveling with, picked her up a short distance from the scene, um, and they go somewhere. So, obviously, Butch Atwood has stated that he saw a few cars pass on the road after he went back to his house to call 911. And one of these cars could have been the tandem driver. Yeah. So, um, who knows? Who knows? Um. The theory of her running off into the woods and dying of exposure. That. Sure. Yep. Um, Part of this theory is that Mora was drinking and when she crashed and was afraid of getting a DUI and violating her probation, she ran into the woods and then got lost. Um, Because it was February in the White Mountains, she obviously would have frozen to death. Yeah. But she also didn't have any food with her. So if she did run, she wouldn't have had anything to eat. So even if she did manage to keep from freezing, maybe she knew how to start a fire or whatever, um, she obviously wouldn't survive very long without any food. Yeah. Now, the issues with this theory is that her remains have never been found. Um, I mean, and there weren't footprints leading into the woods. Right. There was a black backpack found at some point, but it was later found to not belong to Mora. So other than her car, none of the items she took with her were ever found. And I mean, I personally feel like if she did die in the woods, the dogs would have found her. Mm -hmm. Her scent would not have been tracked into the middle of the road. Right. Um. There were a lot of skilled people that did searches for her. Mm-hmm. And, of course, as so many dead bodies are found, hunters would have found her by now. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, that's happened here multiple times. Yeah. Where mushroom hunters specifically stumble upon remains. It just happened uh, like a week ago. Yeah. And I mean, Kara Kapetsky and Jessica Runyon's. That's how they were found. Yeah. Well, and I think this was part of the documentary. Someone quoted or said like, have you ever seen a dead animal in the woods? Like, no, because it's eaten and taken away. Like, I get that, but there's no footprints. The dogs did not track her into the woods. I mean, and the dogs were brought on scene fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if there are people out there that don't have faith in search dogs or cadaver dogs, but they are highly reliable for those sorts of things. I would trust a dog hands down. Yeah, I would almost trust any dog that has their wits about them to be able to track something for at least a little bit. Mm -hmm. So yeah, she did not go off in the woods and die. Yeah. And also I absolutely have seen the remains of dead animals in the woods. Yeah. All the time. If you go in the woods and, or if you are the person asking, have you ever seen a dead animal in the woods? Yes. Fucking yes, I have. We grew up in rural Missouri. You grew up on acreage. So did I. We be seeing dead animals. Yeah. And there's just, even if she did go out there and die and someone's like, well, you never see animal, dead animals in the woods because they're eaten and drug off and scattered and blah, blah, blah. This is a human body. Yeah. This is not a squirrel. Even if most of the rest of her bones say... That her body is overlooked in the initial searches. And her, all of the bones of her body are scattered, taken off by scavenging animals. Fine. Yes, that probably would happen. However, her skull, not likely. Yeah. It's going to be too large for most scavenging animals to carry off. Mm -hmm. And the larger predators... They're not going for bones. They want live prey right. to eat. So her skull at least would be there. And it was really cold mm-hmm. for at least a while after yeah. her disappearance. So a lot of it would be preserved exactly. if it was untouched. Exactly. So. Exactly. Um, so obviously there's going to be the theory that Mora ran away to start a new life. This is always one that comes up, but again, it seems like a lot of these theories in Mora's case hold more weight than what we saw, like, in Brian Schaefer's case. Yeah. So this theory thinks that Fred Murray gave her the $4,000 he got out of the ATMs in order to do this. So this is another theory that brings in the Petrit Vassy accident. People say that Mora did, in fact, hit Patrit Vassy, panicked because she obviously just hit a goddamn person, but also because she was on probation, she she was afraid this would violate the probation, so she was just afraid, she panicked, left the scene. We already talked about how if she would have stayed, the probability of her getting charged was lower as long as she wasn't drinking, um... But the theory states that after she hit Patreet, she freaked out. And when her boss found her in the catatonic state, it was because of the accident and not anything to do with Kathleen. The boss escorted her back to her dorm, 
And then she called her dad and told him what happened. And he told her he would come to Amherst the next day and they would buy her a new car. So it's in the wee morning hours of February 6th, uh, the Friday, and he arrived Saturday, February 7th to Mm -hmm. car shop. So people think that this close time proximity means that she hit Patrice Vassie. I don't think it necessarily does, but that's what people say. So some versions of the theory also state that Fred Murray could have told her not to drive her car around too much because if she had hit him, there would have been clear damage to the car. Um, There are differing opinions on whether people think she called him right as soon as she got to her dorm or if she waited until later in the day Friday to call him. And that's why he had to get all the cash from ATMs instead of having time to go to the bank and make a withdrawal. What, I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah. Maybe he just didn't want to go to the bank. I don't know. Either way, this theory states that the buying a car was just a ruse to explain why Fred was there and why he had gotten out so much money. But he was just there to give more of the cash so she could run away and start a new life somewhere else. Um, please note, Fred Murray has been very vocal on the disappearance of his daughter him and the family in general are very adamant that they think Mora met with foul play and they have maintained that stance since 2004. So, yeah, I don't think Fred had anything to do with her disappearing. I agree. Is he the t- seems very like he's always he's very emotional about it. He's very passionate about it. Yes. He doesn't seem to really hold back anything. Mhm. He also seems like a really pragmatic guy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if she had hit Patrice Bassey and called him, he would not have been like, "All right, well you got to start a new life now." He's he seems like the type that would be like we have to take we care have of to this. to take care of this. Yeah, you need to do the right thing. Exactly. We'll figure this out. He does not seem like the guy that's like, here's four, four grand, go start a new life in Canada. Yeah. I'll let the rest of your family and everyone else in the world wonder where you are until the day I die. Yeah. And I will go to multiple media outlets and talk about this. I will participate in multiple documentaries. And just... Hope no one catches on. And hope that this is enough of a deterrent that no more attention will be placed on you. Yeah. No. That seems like a real stretch. Um, but James Renner <laughs> thinks that she did run away. That's his thing. Yeah. He thinks that she ran away because she was pregnant. Why Ooh. would she bring her birth control if she was pregnant? Um, to throw people off. It was strategic. Hmm. Um, Jane Renner states that um, because one of the searches on her computer was the effect of alcohol on a fetus, that, that this means that she was pregnant. And that not only was she pregnant, but she was pregnant with the child of one of her track coaches because there was a rumor that she was having an affair with this person. I will say in the documentary, one of the girls, I don't remember her name, that she was in school with at Amherst for nursing did say that that made sense that she would search something like that because they were in that portion of their studies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I search a lot of things. I hope if I ever get, go missing, people aren't like trying to make judgment calls off of my Google search. Yeah. Unless it says like, 
how to kill someone with arsenic, you know? Yeah, that's, I really, mean, speci- that's really specific. But, I mean, if you're in nursing school, searching things like effects of alcohol on a fetus doesn't seem that big of a red flag to yeah. me. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Um, but the coach that she was allegedly having an affair with was, and he's talked about this and made statements. Um, his name was Hosean Baghdadi. I think. I don't know. But he was an assistant track coach and has... Okay. Baghdadi. <laughs> what? How else would you no, say No, it? it's just a funny name. Yeah. Because it just... Yeah, it's... Uh, I'm probably saying it absolutely wrong. But, uh, what, you know, let, let's move on. We're not going to get to the bottom of it now. <laughs> um... He has spoken about the situation and told detectives that Mora previously hinted to him that she might disappear. The UMass Outing Club owns a cabin in the White Mountains, and some believe that's where she was heading. No reports indicate that Mora and Hosean, I'm not saying his last name again, <laughs> were in communication in the weeks leading up to her disappearance. Um, so it, it's very, there's no other proof that she was pregnant. But James Renner has hinted that he thinks Fred Murray knows where Mora is. James Renner has a lot to say, and he has a blog. You can go to his blog and read all of his stuff. There's a lot of information there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also another blog called The 107 Degrees. There's a podcast, and all of this shit is going to be in our sources. But you can go to both places, the people who run 107 Degrees and James Renner are very combative. They're like enemies Yeah. on the Moore Murray case specifically. So they're like constantly fighting and throwing each other under the bus and all kinds. It's wild. The drama. So, I mean, but 107 Degrees, they're very close with the Murray family. So if that holds any weight with you as far as reliability of information there's that yeah because the family's not a fan of james renner no he is not well liked no tim and lance from missing maura murray in the early days of that podcast were really uh not close with james renner but they got a lot of information from him and he was one of the only people that would talk to tim and lance yeah so they had some respect for James Renner then. Obviously, we both stopped listening and haven't listened to a lot of the newer episodes. So I don't know if they're still on good terms with James Renner or not. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Wait, we have one more theory. Oh, uh, aliens, obviously. <laughs> Duh. She could have been abducted by aliens. This um, is entirely plausible. But... Because there have been several reports of people in that general area having encounters with aliens, so. Yes. Um, So, that's one of the things that is actually, it's on the table. Actually, all of them are on the table, but. I personally don't have a single theory that I side with. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if I had to choose, I would say most likely she was trying to rather go on just a trip by herself to get away from her shit for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, ran into some problems. I know the chance of getting in an accident and breaking down and meeting a murderer are pretty slim, but she was in a remote location. Mm-hmm. 
I feel like that's what happened. Yeah. Um, I'm going to throw something out there. Israel Keys. Oh, yeah. This dude went around randomly in remote parts of the country and buried murder kits for years and years. And then if he happened to be in that area, he would just snatch anyone. Mm-hmm. He had no victim profile, young, old, man, woman. We need to do an episode on him. I think we have him, like, tentatively on the list of potential episodes, and we will. But um, I don't... It. This is one of those cases where my idea of what happened to Mora kind of changes a little. But I do think that... I don't think she was going there to commit suicide. Mm -mm. I think that um, she turned in homework assignments the day she left. Yeah, and that's what one of the friends said in the doc. Like, who who makes sure to turn in their homework before they go commit suicide exactly like that's that was the first thing i thought of was the homework assignments and people like well maybe she turned him in so there wasn't any suspicion no stop that stop it you're not thinking about something that minute if you're in the grand scheme of things if you know you're not coming back yeah i feel like her turning in the assignments and emailing her professors that she was going to be gone for a week and she would contact them when she returned indicates that she had intent to return yeah she also took her textbooks with her why take your textbooks with you if you didn't have any intention of studying exactly this is a rigorous program so she was probably constantly studying Mm -hmm. so taking her textbooks to me is a real indication that she did not want to interrupt her studies yeah even though she maybe needed a break I think she had every intention of going back to school, finishing, and wanted to maintain her grades. So she took her textbooks with her. So I think the suicide theory is kind of ruled out for me. I I mean, I feel the same way. Um, You know. And I also think that the going into the woods is also ruled out. Um, There are no footprints in the snow. And this is heavy snow. This would have been trenches of snow if you were walking through it right and it's not it wasn't snow that if the wind was blowing these footprints could easily be covered up no 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 it no. would be deep deep it would be very obvious if she would have walked through the snow yeah it would be like it wouldn't just be single individual footprints yeah it would be almost leg prints exactly exactly and the fact that her scent disappears in the middle of the road, about 100 yards east, I think she was most likely picked up by someone. Mm -hmm. Whether that person did her harm or didn't is hard to say. I don't know. But I also don't think she's out here living another life. Because if she wasn't going to commit suicide, if all of the evidence points to her having every intention of returning to her life, then I don't think she just went to Canada and started over either. Yeah. For the same reasons, I don't think she committed suicide. So that means that she's probably deceased. She doesn't seem like the type of person that would just be okay with letting her family wonder about her and Mm -hmm. seeing it all on the media from afar. Yeah. It just seems so unlikely to me. Yeah. Um, So I guess I'm 
of the opinion that she was abducted? I don't know. When you narrow it down, I think that's kind of all you're left with. Yeah. I mean, obviously, she could have walked down the road and found, like, a footpath far enough away. Say she walked six miles. Let's think of Rick Forcier reportedly seeing a woman running six miles east of the accident. Maybe that was Mora. Maybe she found a trail or took another road and then went into the woods and died of exposure. Sure, I guess that's possible. But even then, the dogs wouldn't have stopped tracking her, I bet. That's true. If she would have continued running down the road, they would have continued to track her. Mm-hmm. So, I don't... Because it didn't rain in She was the there, and then she was not. She was there, and then she was not. So, she was either abducted by fucking aliens or another person. Yeah. Um, abduction is it here. It's abduction, whether it was aliens or not aliens. And, um, A-frame house. That's all I'm saying. Case closed. Case closed. Solved. You can, um, email our checks to whatifitoldyoupodcasts at gmail.com. Maggie Freeling, what's up? Yeah. That's all I'm saying. So, all right, well, that concludes our coverage of the Maura Murray case. So, we might continue to talk about this on our tiktok or instagram maybe there are other things other theories other shit so we might we might be doing this i don't know we would really like to know though what you guys think yes what do you think happened to maura murray i mean we always want to know what you think but this case specifically um would love to know yeah tell us um what's up ariel you are the shit. Um, please rate us, review us, do all the things, send us a DM. Yeah. You know, do all that. And now we're going to sign off here. I've got to go pick up Dakota so he doesn't die of exposure. <laughs> and uh, so in the meantime, please be kind. And stay weird. And goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.